Greetings, everyone. Welcome to This Day in History class, where we learn a smidgen of history every day. Today is March 1st, 2019. The day was March 1st, 1932. Anne Lindbergh, the wife of famed aviator Charles Lindbergh, was at home with 20-month-old Charles Lindbergh Jr. and the baby's nurse, Betty Gow. Charles Lindbergh Sr. was in New York, away on business. Normally, the family would spend weekends at their country home near Hopewell, New Jersey, and weekdays at Anne's parents' home in Inglewood, New Jersey. But Anne did not want to have to travel with little Charles, who was sick. So on this Tuesday, Charles Jr. was at home being nursed back to health. And the baby was getting better. But by the end of the night, things had taken a turn for the worse. Anne and Betty put Charles Jr. to sleep. But when Betty went to check on him after dinner, he wasn't there. Charles Jr. had been kidnapped. The events that followed would make for a tragic story that captivated the public for years to come. Charles Lindbergh became famous for making the first solo nonstop flight across the Atlantic when he flew from New York to Paris on a plane called the Spirit of St. Louis. The flight took 33 and a half hours from May 20th to 21st, 1927. But once he landed, he was quite literally an overnight celebrity. Before the trip, Lindbergh had been a U.S. airmail pilot. He had just wanted the $25,000 prize that was offered to anybody who could make the transatlantic flight. But after that famous trip, Lindbergh, just 25 years old, was in the international spotlight he wasn't completely comfortable with the newfound attention. But his life was changing regardless. He started getting endorsements and traveling for speaking engagements. And eventually, he met his future wife, Anne Morrow, in Mexico, where her father was serving as the U.S. ambassador. Anne and Charles married in 1929. And Anne gave birth to their first child, Charles Augustus Lindbergh Jr. on June 22, 1930. But the media still didn't give the family a break. The couple valued their privacy, and they built a big house on a nice chunk of land in Hopewell, New Jersey. They raised the child in New Jersey, spending time at their rural home in Hopewell on the weekends and Anne's parents' house in Inglewood during the week. But when that fateful day came, the family had decided to switch up their routine to make sure baby Charles was taken care of. Charles Jr. was recovering from his sickness on March 1st, 1932, but Nurse Betty and Anne were still tending to him. Around 7.30 p.m., the two women rubbed lotion on the baby's chest, then tucked him into bed. And when Betty came back to check on him around 30 minutes later, nothing was wrong. Charles Sr. came back home around 8.20 and soon after ate dinner with his wife. But when Betty went to check on the baby again around 10 p.m., little Charles was not in his crib and nowhere to be seen. 
Betty checked to make sure neither Charles Sr. nor Anne had him. But they didn't. So they went into panic mode. Charles Sr. rushed to the child's room, where he found a ransom note demanding $50,000 on the windowsill. He then went outside with his gun and found a broken ladder beneath the child's window, as well as a baby blanket. So they called the police. And when the police came, they found evidence of the kidnapper's presence. There was mud on the nursery floor, footprints beneath the window, a chisel that was probably used to open the window, and then the ransom note. Because of the way the note was written, including the fact that the dollar signs were after the monetary amounts, police thought the note had to have been written by somebody European. But there was no blood or fingerprints at the scene of the crime, and the hunt for a perpetrator had a long way to go. The public already had its eye on the Lindberghs, but the kidnapping just took that to the next level. The search for baby Charles was on, and the family was getting a ton of press. They were getting so much attention that the kidnapper sent two more ransom notes, one of which raised the stakes to $70,000. Communicating and negotiating with the kidnapper proved difficult. But in a lucky break, a Bronx resident named Dr. John Condon stepped up to say he would act as an intermediary between the kidnapper and the Lindberghs, protecting identities in the process. The two parties agreed, and Condon met with the kidnapper twice, both times at a cemetery. After getting the baby's pajamas in the mail on March 16th, he believed he had sufficient proof that the baby was alive to hand over the ransom money. And on April 2nd, Condon handed $50,000 over to the kidnapper, though a lot of that money was gold certificates. In return, the kidnapper gave Condon a note that said the baby was on a boat off the coast of Massachusetts. But baby Charles wasn't found on a boat. On May 12th, a man found the body of a child about four miles away from the Lindbergh house. The skull was fractured, and the body was decomposed. That child was Charles Jr., who had likely died the night he was kidnapped. In June 1932, Congress passed the Federal Kidnapping Act, which made kidnapping across state borders a federal crime punishable by death. And in September 1934, police arrested an undocumented German carpenter named Bruno Hauptmann, who had thousands of dollars worth of the gold ransom certificates, among other incriminating items. His trial lasted for more than five weeks in early 1935, and he was found guilty, sentenced to death, and later executed. But he never confessed to the kidnapping. Some people have claimed that it was a conspiracy. Others have said that Hauptmann was innocent and that someone else, maybe even Charles Lindbergh himself, was the true culprit. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you'd like to know more about the kidnapping, listen to the episode of Stuff You Missed in History Class called The Disappearance of the Lindbergh Baby. We started this month off with a pretty sad story, but the whole month won't be that way. 
Throughout the month of March, on Sundays, we'll be recognizing Women's History Month by bringing on special guests to talk about women in history and the contributions that they've made to society. If there's something that I missed in an episode, you can share it with everybody else on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at T-D-I-H-C Podcast. Come back tomorrow for another tidbit from history.